This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple of hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. I had no money when I started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Anders Lassen. He's the CEO and co-founder of Fuse, a cutting-edge UX tool suite for mobile app designers and developers. It's currently in beta for Mac and PC. We're going to jump into it today. Anders, are you ready to take us to the top? For sure, Nathan. Thanks for having me on. You bet. Okay, so Fuse, it's in beta. By the way, is that code for you have no revenue? Uh, no, actually, I, I don't know where you got that from. We, uh, we launched in May, so we're actually in 1.0 now. Okay, very good. So you're 1.0 and you're post-revenue. That's right. Very good. So tell us what the company does and what's your business model? How do you make money? So the idea is that it needs to be way, way easier to build great apps. Um, And the secret to building great apps is that, first of all, you need both developers, designers, product owners, uh, and end users in the mix. It can't just be uh, developers uh, writing code in Java with very slow uh, iteration cycles, uh, Java or Swift or whatever you, you need to access your platform. So uh, Fuse helps the developers and designers work together really, really fast to build great apps for both iOS and Android. And what year did you found the company in? The year uh, 2011. So we've been around for six years. And then help us understand, just so we understand, six years, we know what you do. What is the average, like what's your business model? How are you making money? So basically the Fuse is um, in two tiers. Uh, there's a free tier and a professional tier. So you can download Fuse, you can build apps with it. There is no restrictions on how many apps you can make or anything like that. Uh, and then if you want the full feature set, you you upgrade to Fuse Pro. Okay, so I see the, the professional one is 125 bucks per month, and then you have a custom one above that as well. But in order to avoid kind of talking about each of these things, just because for time purposes, like what would you say the average customer is paying per month? Uh, the the average like the most of, uh, most of our user base is free users, and our focus is to to build a, a large uh, uh, community of active users that um, contribute components and 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 build yeah. like. Yeah, Anders, just talk like. to me about the. I'm ignore the free users for a second. People who are paying on average, what are they paying? That they're paying 125. Oh, okay. So you you haven't done much in the custom range. Uh, the a little bit, but the the, the main model is the is the professional version. Okay, got it. Very good. So you founded the, again. Let's learn more about the story here. So you founded this in 2011. Uh, you said 1.0 just came out in May. What the hell were you doing for six years? Um, the well, when we started the. Well, apps wasn't really that much of a thing. It was still a war between, was it the web that was going to win? Was it Flash? That was even a thing back then. Like, was it WebGL? So so the, the platforms have changed a lot and, and the technology have changed a lot. And now it's finally starting to stabilize. And it seems that um, native apps uh, is the like, and the best user experience is what's going to win in the end. What were you doing, though, for six years? Do you have a different product? Well, in the beginning, like, let, let me tell you a little bit about the background of the company and where we're coming from. So back in 2005, uh, I joined a startup called Phalanx Microsystems, and it was a really exciting time for me because these guys were making graphics processors for cell phones, and, and this was way before the iPhone. 
Um, and today, uh, like uh, this, uh, this company was acquired by ARM in 2006, and this is now the most used graphics processor for cell phones. So we were, uh, it's in uh, a bunch of the Samsung phones, TVs. Uh, it's actually the, the most widely used phones. We were hands-on with the technology that enables you to run a 4K display on a battery in your pocket uh, since before the iPhone came out. Now, you were an employee at this company back in 2005, right? Yes, one of early employee, yeah. Okay, so fast forward to 2011. How'd you launch the, this company? So uh, we had done like apps, games. We even did like uh, virtual reality and stereoscopic stuff way before this became a thing um, in Silicon Valley. And um, we, uh, we knew that these devices had amazing capabilities and we wanted to make a platform that put that power in the hands of designers and developers that didn't need to be experts that had like... 10 years of experience with graphics programming to make things happen. So Fuse allows you to do things like really cool animations, effects, interactions, physics, to really make the uh, experience pop out of the screen. Okay, and that's what you launched back in 2005 or 2011? That was, that was the original vision, but as I said, the, the platforms have changed so much since then, so it's it's hard to recognize the, the environment. Yeah, but Anders, so my question is, is really simple. Between 2011 and when you just released 1.0 on this, what were you selling? Was it just the same version of this, but for older hardware? So up until that, we didn't sell anything. We were building a, a user community. So we, we built a community of 70,000 users. How were you paying yourself, though? That's like six years. That's a lot of time to go unpaid. So, so we raised uh, over $18 million in that time frame. So you went, you were able to go five or six years with no revenue and just building the user base and, and you, you got no pressure from your investors or anything to turn on the revenue. There was no one worried. Well, the, we were a very strong team with uh, like a, a lot of uh, good stuff going for us. Uh, the user base was growing. Uh, technology kept changing and we, and we stayed relevant through all that time. How? Well, you have to be a, a little bit uh, brave and, uh, and pivot at the right time. So when, you, when we started out, uh, it was a lot of focus on WebGL because that was the hip uh, thing back then. And then that platform didn't really go anywhere. And we, we were magically able to repurpose the platform for native apps uh, and, and take most of the IP and the user base with us. But all free. But all free at that time, yes. Okay, got it. So to date, 18 million bucks, that's total amount raised? That's right. Okay, so, so, okay, so from 2000, and just to make sure, 2011 to 2016, you guys were pivoting with a bunch of different free products and you managed to build a big user base. Fast forward to just recently, you launched Fuse, which is which is paid, obviously. How many customers do you have on Fuse now? Not ready to talk customers. Uh, we're talking about the user base and, and the size of the community. Well, Anders, that's usually code for it's it's too early. We don't have a lot of customers. So is it fair to say you have less than 100 customers? It's, it's still too early? If you're talking paying customers? Well, yeah, um, what other kinds again, of customers are there? Well, the thing about developers is that they are having developers committed to your platform is a lot of value. But it's not a customer. Um, that's right. So do you have other kinds of, do you have, what do you call a customer who's not paying? If it's, I mean, a customer is a paying like, person. Imagine a customer that contributes uh, components or packages or even blog posts or, or things to, to, to raise the value of the platform. That's, uh, that's also a way to, to, to grow company value. Got it. So, so, okay, just to be clear, when you use the word customers, you, you, and I think it's fair, you also include these folks that are making the platform more valuable, even if they're not paying you any money. At the end of the day, the, the developers and designers that create mobile apps, they're like the, uh, the lifeblood of basically all industries now. Everything's moving to, the, to mobile. You need to be present with the best user experience on the home screen of devices in order to be relevant, no matter if you're selling. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, I agree with all that. So back to my question, when you use the word customers, I, I think it's fair, by the way, that you do this, you're including all the people that use you for free, you call them a customer because they're contributing to the value of the platform. That's right. Okay, got it. Just in terms of paying customers, though, it's fair to say it's still early, you have less than 100. Is that accurate? That's right. We just launched. Okay, good. So by the way, why not just say that? Like, you know, you can just tell me you don't have to be like, we're not talking about it. I mean, it's everyone has to start somewhere, right? That's right. So tell me about this strategy. You're in a unique spot. What kinds of things are you doing to try and convert these highly engaged users into paid customers? That's right. So, so first of all, we need to solve the riddle that, that, uh, the creating mobile apps is extremely expensive. Still, you you need very specialized people. uh, And there's a lot of friction in the process. Like most app development processes go like this. First, someone has an idea. And then someone draws up a wireframe and maybe there's a prototype developed, which doesn't really do much useful. And then there's this hard cutoff between that and uh, building the actual live production app, which is done with completely different teams, often on different, different continents. And there's this huge disconnect between the creative phase when you're trying to figure out what app you want to build and the development phase. And then you get the app back and it's, it's very hard to make changes based on user feedback it's very hard to iterate in any meaningful way. And that's and that's mostly due to the tools. Because if you look at Swift and Java, they're almost identical to the way apps were built in the 90s. Like, not much has changed. Guys, big news. Last month was a huge month for the company I recently acquired, which was www.thetopinbox.com. I liked the company so much when I met the person who created it. It lets you send emails later on Gmail set up reminders like snooze almost to keep your inbox clean, do things like send auto follow-ups and do open tracking so you know when your emails get opened. It's great if you're in sales or CEO or trying to be more productive. So listen, I bought the whole company on the spot and I wanna tell you how I did it. I've showed the deal, by the way, to big smart people, private equity firms, VCs, and they're dumbfounded. They go, Nathan, how did you do this? We've never seen a deal like this. How did you do this? So I did an unbelievable deal. And I want to show you the income report. So for me to send you the income report, go to www.thetopinbox.com. Click the red button that says install this on Gmail. And when you do that, my email will appear. It'll appear in a little uh, Gmail pop-up window. Send me an email and I'll reply immediately with the income report. And you can see how I'm buying and growing small B2B SaaS companies. That's www.thetopinbox.com. Totally free to try and use. www.thetopinbox.com literally like in your interface on your site what are you doing to tell these highly engaged users hey guys we have a we have a paid plan like we need revenue now we're turning it on go here to sign up i mean literally what are you doing so uh, the uh, it's if you want the full feature sets uh, first of all we want to be we primarily want you to start using it because getting people invested in the platform is the, is the main way to drive value and then of course we need to have a, a, a professional tier that's um, first of all, is uh, meaningful to professional users. So that's that's one of the things that we, uh, uh, as I said, we just launched a professional tier. So we're we're working on the parameters and like what are the main value adders that makes make sense to professionals. How are you, Anders? I, I get the value of it. I'm trying to get like tactically. You have a really engaged community. How are you communicating to them that you have this new professional tier? Are, are you posting in a Slack group you've built? Are you emailing these users? Like tactically, how are you doing it? Yes, all of the above. There's a Slack community. There's, there's a forum. There's a weekly newsletter. 
there is videos on YouTube, there is all of these things. There, there are no silver bullets. You really need to just build and polish and improve the product until customers love you so much that they, they just want to convert. Yep. What is your team size today? 35. 35 people. And where are you all based? Most of us are actually in Oslo, Norway. Uh, also a site in uh, California, in Palo Alto, and in uh, Seoul, in Korea, and in Latvia. Okay, wow. So really spread out. So tell me about why Seoul and, and, and why Latvia? Seoul, because we are, for some reason, very big in Korea. Uh, a lot of uh, very enthusiastic users there. Um, things happening on the ground, meetups, uh, Facebook group, uh, stuff like that. Um, so that's why we ex uh, decided to start an office there and, and capitalize on that, uh, that movement. Yep. With 35 people, I mean, for five or six years, paying them just out of the money that you've raised. I mean, I imagine that cash balance, it's getting to a point where you guys either have to raise more capital or you've got to start growing this revenue stream. Is that accurate? Uh, no, I actually, uh, like the first years we were, uh, bootstrapped and running on, on very, very low budget is just now recently. We actually raised $12 million in December last year. Okay. So most of the money is still sitting in the bank. Got it. So you did, and, and were you, um, I'm actually, I'm surprised you're able to do that. So, so when you raised those pitches, was it just because of the value of the community you built and you were able to effectively communicate that to the VCs and investors? That's plus some very, uh, very exciting, uh, actual accounts. What do you mean actual accounts? Yeah, like, the paying like customers? The paying, paying customers. Got it. Got it. Can you tell me about one of those accounts? Uh, sorry, I can't. Okay. Uh, can you describe them without naming them? Why are they so, exciting? Uh, like large US uh, enterprises. Okay. Like don't don't name someone who's actually paying you, but say they are like Walmart. So or... in finance and in government. Okay, got it. So you're 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 appealing to um, kind of a highly regulated uh, wh where the product set's going to have to be unique relative to like a consumer or a sales force or a marketing person using it's you. Actually, it's actually not so much about the, the reg regulated part. It's about uh, large companies that have tons of legacy systems that are going out of date. So that the 22 year old, uh, like recently hired coming in, like, is this, what is this like a terminal or a website? Where's, where's the iPad app? And, and they need to bring all of these interfaces to these critical interface systems uh, up to date and put them on devices that matter. Yeah, but what you just said, that statement is true and in many industries outside of finance and government, but you specifically chose to mention finance and government. So, and I asked you, why are they exciting? And those were the two you said. So why does your because product that, that's, uniquely- that's two, that's two domains where this problem is, like this problem is everywhere. So it, it's just a matter of our our, um, our current sort of state of, of rolling this out commercially. Got so that's it. That's the, the, the spaces where we had the- uh, like done most of our work. Okay. Got it. That makes good sense. Very good. Now, what do you, uh, what are you doing to acquire those customers? Are you, were those two, were those big enterprise accounts, people that were already in your free kind of community? Yes. So luckily, uh, we are, uh, because we're focusing on the user experience, we're focusing on the fun stuff with, uh, with interfaces, animations, things that pop. Uh, it's very easy to, to get attention in, uh, uh, in, in social media, on YouTube, on, on Twitter, and stuff like that. And through that, we get uh, our message out to the people that need to hear it. Mm -hmm. um, what is your guys' goal for like growing this year? By, by let's call it December of this year, what ARR run rate do you want to hit? As high as possible. <laughs> but <laughs> you, you strike me as a guy that's pretty rational and a numbers and analytics guy, though. I mean, what's a stretch goal for you? A stretch goal would be a few million dollars. Okay, a few million dollars. And, and where are you guys at today? I'm, I, I can't give you those numbers on a podcast, sorry. It's, uh, but we're primarily focusing on building active users. And then there's tons of ways to monetize uh, going forward. Like 
uh, our active users are not like Snapchat users. They are professionals that use our platform in their work to make their living. So, so uh, as long as we get people committed to the platform and loving the platform, that's the main value driver. Yeah, but I mean, just to be clear, I mean, we're only three months away from the end of the year, right? So if your AR goal is, you know, in the, in the, you know, millions is your stretch goal by the, you know, December, 2017, you know, 2 million in ARR divided by 12 is about 166 grand a month. So, I mean, I mean, generally speaking, you gotta be somewhere near there for that to be a stretch goal. It's only three months away. So you're the guy focusing on, on, on that uh, KPI. As I said, our, our main KPI is the active users. Hey, how does so that directly when, correlate, though, to, 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 to revenue? Like you said, there's many, many ways to monetize. I, I believe that. I, I, I believe you probably have a direct correlation to how to do that. Um, when do you decide like, how to turn those active users into actual paid customers? That's uh, like, first, like there's, there's two models. First, getting people to use the platform and then either convert them to our pro tier or we engage in a B2B relationship. And that's where, like, if you if you can get the tool into like big organizations with like hundreds or even thousands of seats, uh, that's where the the big money. Uh, yeah, totally. Will come from. And you're trying just to be clear, it's not 125 a business; it's 125 a seat inside of a business, right? Yeah, and that's for the professional tier. Yeah, you always have custom plans above that. Um, okay, that all makes good sense. What are you are you doing any paid acquisition or no? You mean uh, like uh, pay uh, acquisition of free users? Yeah, like are you spending any money to drive your customer base or your user base? Very, very little. We are we are putting our content on social media and and boosting it like lightly, but it's, it's it all comes down to having interesting content and having an interesting story. Otherwise, well, you I mean, when you say little time. though, I mean would you say less than five grand per month on boosting this kind of content? It's in that ballpark. Yeah. Okay, got it. But so, but fairly little. Um, Okay. And then how do you, I mean, have you figured out, I mean, it's obviously new, but people that are paying for the platform, do you have any idea for, like how sticky they are? It's, I think it's way too early to speculate yeah. on that. When did you just, so but, we but, know. But, we are, but in terms of active users, they are very sticky. Like once people are actually using our platform, they are, they're, they're sticking with it. Yeah. Well, and the, again, just to be clear, those are free though. Yes. Most of them are. And that's, that's always been the strategy. Like you, you need a, like if you look at any successful development platform, the success comes from the, the size and the, and, and the energy of the free community. Yeah. You're in, in such a beautiful spot though, because one of the key things once you introduce pricing is like those addicted people, what if they don't upgrade? How do you adjust? Like, how do you figure out what's the value metric that you make them pay for where they still stay that sticky as they were on the free tier? So sorry, coming in, I missed the question. No, I'm just saying you're in a good spot because there wasn't a question in there. You're in a good spot because you have to figure out how these really sticky free users, once you introduce a paid plan, they're not going to be as sticky because you're asking them to pay money. So like what things do you put behind the paywall or in front of the paywall to try and make it sticky even after they're paying? Um, yeah, so that, that's always going to be the 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 secret sauce is finding that uh, cutoff point yeah you're figuring that out now yeah yeah so but but our strategy is like we we need to give away uh, in the free version so much that people really really fall in love with the product you can't hold back on the uh on the on the good stuff and then for professional users there are like the people who are uh ultimately going to pay for it they need things that you don't necessarily need if you're if you're uh, just a hobbyist playing around with it. Yep, makes good sense. Let's wrap up Anders with the famous five. These are just one word answers. Number one, what's your favorite business book? I'm actually not a book person, so I, I don't have one. Okay, number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? Um, I, uh, I'm a big fan of David Helgeson, the founder of Unity. Uh, founder of Unity. Yep. Number three, is there a favorite online tool that you have, like Acuity Scheduling? A favorite online tool? Uh, I use Figma a lot. Figma? 
Yeah. Okay. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Close to eight, actually. Okay. And what's your situation? Married, single, do you have kids? Uh, one kid, not married yet. Okay. So single, one kiddo. And uh, how old are you? I'm 32 soon. 32. All right. Take us back 12 years. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? Um, I wish I knew how, how much work it actually is to build uh, complete products. There you guys have it. It's way more work than what you think to build a complete product. Uh, from Anders, again, founder of Fuse. They launched back in 2011. I've uh, raised $18 million, have built a really intense community. They're now in the process of upgrading that community to their paid plans at 125 bucks a seat. They've got two exciting customers, but still small, you know, less than 100 grand in monthly recurring revenue, trying to obviously scale that, but scale that strategically over time uh, to those free users, because obviously the free users and paid users are doing two very different things. Team of 35, based between Oslo, Palo Alto, Seoul, and Latvia. Anders, thanks for taking us to the top. Yeah, thank you for having me, Nathan.